This episode is brought to you by PwC. When unprecedented times are all the time, it's time to start walking the talk. Leaders like you turn to PwC to see and stay ahead. Upskill your workforce, use intelligent automation, and transform big ideas into breakthrough reinvention. Explore the human-led tech-powered solutions that help you reinvent. It's all part of the new equation. Learn more at pwc.com. In two days, only on Disney+. Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Swift Vieira's Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Streaming March 14th, only on Disney+. Plus. This podcast is supported by Progressive, a leader in RV insurance. RVs are for sharing adventures with family, friends, and even your pets. So if you bring your cats and dogs along for the ride, you'll want Progressive RV insurance. They protect your cats and dogs like family by offering up to $1,000 in optional coverage for vet bills in case of an RV accident, making it a great companion for the responsible pet owner who loves to travel. See Progressive's other benefits and more when you quote RV insurance at Progressive.com today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Pet injury is an additional coverage and subject to policy terms. This episode is brought to you by ServiceNow. Everyone's talking about AI. Everyone. But where do you start? How can it actually help your business? The ServiceNow platform brings intelligence into every corner of your company. So every person, every system, every process... Everything works better. Put AI to work. Tap the banner or go to servicenow.com slash genai to see how. Hey everybody, what's going on? Josh Wiggler here with another episode of the Welcome to Westworld podcast here on Post Show Recaps, talking about the Westworld Season 4 premiere. It happened. It's real. We are talking about it. We are talking about your feedback as sent in to Post Show Recaps. I am joined here as always by my partners in crime on the Westworld beat whether or not they are simulated or real is left to your imagination, dear listener. We'll start with Mike Bloom, who is here on premiere night. Mike, how are you doing a few days removed from the Westworld season four premiere? I'm doing fairly well. Uh, Josh, you say it's here and it's real, but doesn't this show make us question the nature of our reality? Are we sure this episode was real? That it actually happened or that it wasn't a collective fever dream? Yeah, exactly. That it wasn't a little bit of like a one word at a time story where that's where we get into this. Like, And then the flies came in and ate the man and turned him into somebody else. Oh my gosh. Well, I have to tell you that I cannot wait to talk to this person about the flies and so much more from the season four premiere. Absent from the Westworld podcast for the last little while, making her triumphant return to the Westworld beat to talk all things season for the queen of the brain ball herself, Joe Garfine. Joe, Woo! bring yourself back online. I cannot tell you how much I needed this. I am glad yes. to be back. I'll be back yeah. for a few episodes and I'll be out again. You know, I had a family emergency. Uh, for those of you who didn't know, my, my father passed away. He did get COVID. Um, and so I've been in California with my family and I'll be going back. But I am very, very happy to have 
been able to watch episode one of season four twice because you know twice. me i have to watch it and then stop and take notes which i did on the airplane which is super fun um and i am an unapologetic lover of this show and i i just really enjoyed episode four season one for so many reasons that we'll get into and i i'm delighted that everyone has sent in their feedback so we can discuss it we've got a lot to get through first of all joe we're just so psyched to have you back we've been thinking about you so much mike and i have been just talking endlessly about i'm I'm thinking about joe i'm feeling for joe we miss you on the podcast you've been going through so much and i think that um having this show that i know you know you and i have been watching this show together from the very very beginning this is our like mutually shared lost for the two of us in terms of our friendship i know how much these characters mean to you these performances this story and having this at a time when you process a lot via stories, so many of us do, but I know you specifically do, that I'm really grateful that this show is on at this time where I'm sure you really need it. And we really need you here as well, as much as you are willing uh, and interested in, in hopping on. So we've been thinking about you. We're so psyched to have you back on here, Joe. I appreciate it. And I think you all understand if I'm a little bit rusty, I'm a little bit jet lagged. Um, and I just want to share one very sweet thing, which is a came as a big surprise to me. I'd been there for two weeks and on the last night, I helped my mom with tech as you do with your parents these days. Uh, oh, yeah. Going through her DVR and she said, oh, your father taped Westworld. I had no idea my dad watched Westworld. He didn't yeah. talk to me about it, but it's he really was a big sweet. Survivor fan, you were saying. Yes, he. the only show we ever talked about was Survivor, but it's my understanding that he watched it because he knew how much it meant to me. So that's just very sweet. Oh. And my mom's like, I'm not going to watch it, but I'll save it. I'm like, okay, <laughs> whatever you want to do. Like, they're not into the, I don't think they're into the brain ball, crazy, yeah. non-linear story uh, mm-hmm. telling. I was watching First Lady, the Showtime show with my mom, and it's so non-linear. It's so all over the map. And I'm like, this makes Westworld look easy to follow. FYI. Uh, good show. Great acting. But it's no Westworld. But anyway, I wanted to share that anecdote. It was very sweet. And uh, yeah, my dad has never watched Lost, had yep. no interest in it. So no. I was, what a nice surprise to know that he enjoyed yeah. Westworld. I think it's hilarious. He never mentioned it, but like, <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it and I'll run with it. So yeah. yeah, but I'm really excited to be back and, you know, how this feels normal to me to nerd out mm. with you guys. I also found out when I was there because I'll be back in California, then I get to go to Comic-Con for two yes. days. Yeah, and so, which uh, Once Upon a Time was the haven to a lot of Westworld stuff. We'll see. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm pretty sure like season four is falling in the middle yes. of Comic-Con, so I don't know if anything will, will happen then, but that's just an awesome opportunity. Definitely making some lemonade out of some some very unfortunate lemons. Absolutely. It'll be my 12th or 13th year in a row. I'm Obviously, we, there were the two years it didn't happen because because of COVID, but I'm psyched to be back to with my people, which is nerddom. Um, you know, I've got four shots of the vaccine in me. I got two masks. Let's bring it. Um, and hopefully if there's not any Westworld content, which there probably won't be, uh, hopefully I can find some Westworld memorabilia when I'm shopping the floor. Yes. Uh, so if you're going to go to Comic-Con, uh, at Joe Pinionated, hit her up on, mm-hmm. on Twitter, uh, Comic-Con with Joe Garfine, a very good time. I can attest. Absolutely. Um, so, so Joe, let's, we're, we're talking about Westworld. We've got a ton of feedback from people. Mike, I know you've also been browsing the web, the World Wide web for some takes about the yeah. show here. There's this new fangled thing called the internet and I thought I'd try it out. Uh, so yeah, I hacked the system and I was able to get some choice intel from some select websites. Ooh, okay. Um, that seems like very processy. 
the way that you described it. Yeah, a little a, a little dark website by the name of the Hollywood Reporter.com. Yeah, Google. Uh, <laughs> Google it. Uh, yeah, so we'll, Google, I believe, is how it's we'll, pronounced. We'll get into Mike Bloom's Google efforts uh, <laughs> before too much longer, for sure. We'll get into the feedback that people sent in, which you can always send in. Westworld at postshowrecaps.com is our email address. Westworld at postshowrecaps.com. You can also tweet at us. At Ron Howard, that's me. At A Mike Bloom type, that's Mike. At Joe Pinionated, that is Joe, as well as at Post Show Recaps, our Twitter account. And huge props to the great Brendan Fitzpatrick for collating the feedback this mm -hmm. week. We appreciate you, Brendan. You can also talk to us in the Post Show Recaps Patron Discord if you want to sign up. Patreon.com slash Post Show Recaps. A good time to sign up for the Patreon if you were ever interested in supporting the podcast directly is the first of the month or very early in the month because Patreon charges you when you sign up as well as charges you at the start of the month. Uh, so you, if you sign up uh, June 29th or 30th, you're going to get double tapped. That's cool if you want to do that. We certainly appreciate that, but it might be a smarter move to wait until July 1st or July 2nd. But we've got a really thriving Discord community where people are talking about Westworld and so many other shows. If that's of interest to you, patreon.com slash postshow recaps. Before we get into the feedback, before we get into what you have crawled through on the Gougelay machine, Mike, Joe, I want to get your takes on the season four premiere of Westworld. Did it um, meet the hype, exceed it? Uh, where where did you land with this? Because I know you really loved the episode. I did. I had zero expectations and I tried not to watch the trailer more than once because mm -hmm. I like to be surprised and not take things out of context. It's, it's like Mad Men, the way they edit these trailers. They don't want you to really glean too much from it and take away the surprise. But uh, if you'll bear with me, I have a few bullet points I'll go through. Um, I love that season four opened like season three with a host going after a rich a-hole that has access to something they need to take control. Dolores did it in season three and then uh, William did it in season four. Correct me if I'm wrong. This is a host, William. Yes. yes. This, is, this, is, this is pretty much, I would imagine, the host William that ends up killing or maiming real life William uh, that this is uh, the way because again just knowing the way that things tracked from the end of season three I think it's very safe to assume this is host William okay then two questions for you guys that hopefully I admit that I don't I listened to your podcast about this episode but I don't recall whose brain ball is in William and who's controlling it we so what we know is what we saw at the end of season three, right? There's yes. the post credit scene where William is killed and replaced by this walk and talk and man in black host uh, who is sent after him in that moment, ostensibly by uh, Holoris, by the new Dolores, by Tessa Thompson, by Charlotte. Uh, pick <laughs> your name, I suppose. We will <laughs> oscillate through all of those uh, over the course of this. Um, so we don't know anything beyond that of who this guy is. Is it another Dolores cop? that is existing within the husk of the man in black basically is this some version of the fidelity that they were seeking with replicating human consciousness in brain ball form i think that the jury is still out uh, as to who exactly this is who ed harris is playing is he just playing you know sort of a mindless droning robot at the whims of charlotte hale does he have more agency than that the one thing I do think is confirmed, I'm, I'm missing the source. Maybe it's in this THR article that you're going to reference, Mike. But I know Lisa Joy has said, like, yeah, no, that's that's definitely a, he's a host, whoever that is. Uh, it's not the human William. So he has become the thing that he hates the most. Uh, so whatever that means beyond that, at least we have sort of that much information that he is a mechanical character at this point. Okay. In time. 
And I also love that they weaponized the flies. I mean, like you, I'm glad you mentioned the blue tongue thing from a uh, season past, Mike, on the on the podcast because it really is. And they use it about talking about the herd and getting everyone sick. And the the, and they, I thought I think it's genius. It's disgusting. I'm not a fan of, <laughs> the, especially the mass flies on the ceiling. No, thank you. That actually happened to me in a hotel room once in Sacramento, but that's a story for another day. But Ooh. it was various bugs. The previous tenant or person that room had left the window open. It was 105 degrees. I came to my room and it was the entire infestation on my ceiling. I, I, I'm not sure I've been more scared in my life. Oh, I, no. Wait a minute. Is this a new version of Joe Garfine? That's what I was going to say is the Joe that left that hotel room a little bit different than the Joe who walked it, in. It was five years ago, so you'll never know. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. But, Big time jump, Joe. Did you like the time jump here for season three to four? Totally. And I know they had to do an exposition dump of like what happened and they were kind of vague about it, but that's Westworld. So it's like neither here nor there to me. Um, I did like the time jump. So seven years later, eight years later, it's kind of unclear, but I think so. Yeah. uh, And then not to jump ahead, but like Caleb obviously met his wife right after the events of season three, which is surprising. And because of Mabe's little flashes, we don't know when he was hurt slash killed. We don't know if he's a host or if he's still human. I don't know if you guys have landed on that yet. We've talked about it a tiny bit uh, as to whether or not it could be that Caleb could be copied. I mean, I'm sure we've got feedback about this, uh, about where we've landed with Caleb. Is that just a human Caleb or has something else happened to Caleb? I don't know. To me, if he was a host, I kind of feel like that undermines a lot of season three, right? If the entire storyline of Caleb is like, you are the human leader of this revolution. Then season four is like, yeah, but then you became a host off screen. And I don't know, not necessarily if the mission statement of the show is like, we are all a lot more alike than we are different. If we look inward, if we like see who we truly are, that we are all just people who are equally deserving of rights and treatment uh, and being, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, met with responsible care by each other, um, that there may be a story to tell there about, you know, if he is if he is waking up to this new existence, um, that there that there may still be a through line there between, uh, you know, this this journey from humanity to, to something else that is still alive. So I don't know that it would necessarily lose me on Caleb's entire season three storyline. The bigger thing would be like, they have just done this with every character, you know, like Stubbs became a robot, like everyone's a robot until proven otherwise. And then usually it's proven out that they're robots. Uh, So is it just going to be the same thing with Caleb? And if so, can we do this in a way that's new? I hope so. Um, But I don't know, Joe, do you have a strong take on whether or not you think Caleb has been replaced or or what? I still think he's human. And there's something about the way Maeve interacts with him when they reunite that made me think he was human. And I can't really explain why, but I'm kind of holding on to hope that he is. Um, I think Aaron Paul, I'm much more invested in him now than maybe I was in last season already. It's the hair. It is. It is. If he just gelled it up, Joe, he would look a lot like you and me. Totally. Yeah. Maybe that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think it's very interesting. We talked about in seasons past, the cornerstone being children, Charlotte Hale's mm. um, son and, um, you know, Bernard's son. And now you have Caleb having a daughter. And so that made me kind of suspicious, uh, but we'll see where that goes. To go back to the William et al. at the Hoover Dam, which by the way, have you guys been to the Hoover Dam? Oof, not since I was a kid. Yeah, it's amazing. I've never, well, that's, that's the William answer, right? When is that on a vacation when I was a kid? I have never been personally. Yeah, it's pretty, yeah. pretty impressive. Um, so that was really cool. And I love the idea that they have the, the permanent storage facility there for data. My question is, if the key is in there, but we know that the key was in Bernard's head, 
wet are we going to see over this season this handful of episodes how bernard got that data to the hoover dam yeah, I think that we have a lot of questions about Bernard because he's completely invisible this episode. We don't see him at all. Oh, Act- yeah, he's in every scene, Mike. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's in every scene. He's been he's been powered up with um. Who was it? Was it a uh, DL? Was the name of the guy in Heroes? Who's the or is it Claude? Is the Invisible Man? Yeah, Claude is the Invisible Man that teaches Peter Petrelli the Pigeon Guy. DL was the one. He had the Kitty Pride power. Right, could phase through the walls. Right, right, right. We're still preparing Joe, Mike, and I for our uh, inevitable Heroes deep dive coming coming soon to a podcast near you maybe <laughs> okay uh, we'll, we'll we'll figure that out um but i think that what's going on with bernard is really interesting and i i really really hope that we get some some light shed upon that um are you reading it that bernard has uh has has brought this this data to the hoover dam that this is stuff that's coming from him i yeah uh, i just feel like that is the the key to the valley beyond and that he had to hide it somewhere. I know at the end of season three, we saw him, you know, go under, quote unquote, <clears throat> and look to the future. And then obviously, I don't know if it's a spoiler alert to say from a trailer, we've seen him dusty yeah. in, a, in a trailer mm-hmm. and coming back to whenever that is. Um, maybe that's where he went to, and to put it somewhere he thought no one would find it, but he was wrong. Mike, what do you think are the odds that when we next see Bernard, he's going to be waking up, sitting at the edge of that bed covered in dust, and that is going to have been a full eight years after he first sat down? Uh, is that is that how long it's going to have taken uh, to get to Bernard? And if so, should we be really annoyed with all the people who did not kick down the door to that motel room? Well, we talked about this back in like uh, our kickoff or maybe at the end of our season three podcast, Josh, right? The idea of like, really? A random clandestine motel and like the world is breaking down post Rehoboam and like nobody went to go check it out. Though it seems like, at least from New York's perspective in the eight years, they kind of just like built things back from where it burned down. So maybe they sort of passed the motel by. I'm going to go with Occam's Razor here in general, actually. Let me put out a statement that I found on the Gougelay from that, that Hollywood Reporter article where it is flat out said by Ed Harris, but sort of like, I think, espoused by a lot of production. Quote, I think season four is a little easier to grasp what's happening, what the sides are, who's trying to do what. I think it's a little clearer than season three, which to me was very confusing because there were so many dimensions and it really could be anybody. That's still the case, but it doesn't get quite as complicated. So that's from the man in black himself, Ed Harris. I think that's something we need to keep in mind. I think that we love doing this like complicated theorizing. And of course the, the show has dabbled in those waters before, but I think the show's focus for one reason or another was to streamline things a bit for this season. I very much see what Ed Harris is talking about with this sides. We set this up in our season four kickoff, Josh, that it really does seem like, you know, Hale and William versus Maeve and Caleb. And then maybe some of this other stuff in between. So I think it's going to be as simple as Bernard's been there for eight years and then he wakes up. I don't think we're doing with like, he's within a simulation within this simulation. He, and that covered him in dust. And that was the symbol the entire time. The dust are the flies of the hosts. Uh, I do not think we necessarily need to get that complicated. See, I feel like Joe, after three full seasons of living that life, are we not uh, like anything is going to be less complicated now because we have the base coat of how complicated this show can be. Right. I think it's complicated because you have the lead as an entirely new character. Yeah. And Lisa Joy has said she's human, which, you know, that seems like a a strong, I feel like there should be a quote around human because how is that possible? Yeah. 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 And I know you guys talked about, I think it was Mike who brought up the fun theory of like, maybe this is the past, you know, 
And this is what they based Dolores on. But this is, to me, it's the future, but I could be totally wrong. Yeah. Well, let me uh, do what I'm going to do, like one of many redactions here. Because I think what I've sort of settled on is I came in the podcast being like, this is definitely said in the past. Dolores walked by these bros talking about the park. Josh, you said, I don't know. Maybe this takes place in some sort of like simulation world because everything seems a bit too perfect. Por que no los dos? Uh, I think what I've sort of settled on at this moment is that this is sort of like a beta version of Dolores, possibly pulling from the memories of someone who this was based on. But put in this modern day setting, there was this thing we didn't mention, right, where she steps out onto the balcony and she does see a little graffiti of the maze. I think that's very clearly a wake up call, much like it was in season one of like, hey, does this look like anything to you? Hey, you do you know what this means? And so I think whoever is trying to get a version of Dolores back online, I think there's a non-zero chance that they're like, yeah, we're going to pull into the memories of like this one woman uh, that possibly this character was based off of put in this more modern day setting to like get her to, for the umpteen time, realize herself, self-actualize, and then wake up and help us. Yeah. Um, do you have thoughts about Christina, Joe? I have to imagine that you do. Absolutely. And I wrote this down and I was like, okay, I still call her Dolores. Christina is like an unconscious Sizemore now after having absorbed, to me, she absorbed, I cannot, sorry. Rehoboam. Rehoboam. To me, she On our did... best day, none of us can do it. Thank Josh. you. You're the big giant ball thing with all the data. <laughs> yeah. To me, she didn't die. She actually, they didn't know that she absorbed all of it. And she is writing and bringing narratives to life without her knowing. And that there are tr there are key triggers in this matrix. Let's talk about her roommate. My, I, I love Ariana DeBose. I am thrilled that Oscar winner Ariana DeBose is playing her roommate. Hmm. I, it's a little on the nose, but the whole like pick a shoe, black or white. I mean, that's a trigger, right? The whole black hat, white hat. Yeah. Are they getting data from your feet? Let's hope not, Josh. Let's hope that instead of the hat oh this time. Oh my God. <laughs> There's uh, a real perv running the sim if that's no, the case. Remember, yeah, I, they're I brought going, up. Uh, tired is uh, brain balls, wired hot dog balls. Uh, <laughs> that is the direction oh, that no, we are going no, in here no, for season no, four. No, we're not putting the term hot dog balls Doesn't out work? there in the world. Does it not work? That's a medical condition, Josh. That's oh. like something you like, <laughs> get treated for by WebMD. Oh. Oh, no, what no. I'm saying is last season, I said, how is it that they gleaned data from only the male guests with their hats? And now maybe the answer is the shoes for the ladies. Yeah. I'm just mm. saying, I know I'm going off, off the cliff into a Hoover Dam here. Anyway, <laughs> um, I feel now like- we've done a pretty good job of examining the human mind, but we really need to spend some time on those calloused feet. Exactly. Uh, okay, uh, Thomas, uh, I know you've been around here for a while. You keep talking about the feet stuff like, yeah. I think the feet is where it's at. I'm it's pretty like, sure we got a lot of the human condition. We have not yet gotten is the stride. Well, the you feet guys are, are the feet is like the head of the leg. Yeah. I, I've missed how random you guys are. It's a good point, actually, the foot being the head of the leg. <laughs> I'm just saying. Okay, so I also think that like stock the first of all, I was a big 12 monkeys fan. I watched it like recently. I watched the whole thing. Mm. Having Aaron Stanford be the creepy stalker guy from quote the future or now or you whenever. You clocked that right away. Oh yeah. yeah. I was like, and I know that voice. I like that he's in her matrix and she's unaware that she's the key maker. So if anyone's watched all four, you know, remember that there is an architect. There is a key maker. I feel I like she's say, both... I was going to say, you're going to a little bit out of Ghostbusters here between the key I know. and the gatekeeper. I'm a huge Matrix fan. Um, and so I just thought about like, but her not knowing. And obviously we're going to have, I assume, an awakening of 
Dolores outside of Christina at some point, but there are triggers to me too, also for Mape. So like you said, Fred Lane from uh, from Lost, he came back and he was chasing down Mape. Did you ever interact with the Marshal, Joe? No, he never went to any events. Uh-huh. I would I would, I would, would stop him on the street at Comic-Con if I saw him, don't get yeah. me wrong. <laughs> yeah. I accidentally sat next to Charles Woodmore for brunch once, but that's another Terrifying. Story. It oh was. Oh my God. Alan Dale just like, Give me your bacon. In his yeah. deep British voice. I was at a shared farm table having breakfast before Comic-Con morning. He was t- with his agent talking, I'm going to say shit, about yeah. the show he was on at the time. And all of a sudden he paused and looks at me and he goes, you don't watch this show, do you? And I said, no. And he goes, do you know who I am? Like, And it was just, and I said, I absolutely know who you are. And he's like, which show? Because he had been on the OC and all yep, the things. Yep. And I said, last, he goes, okay, let's take a photo and then talk about it. It was amazing. <laughs> it was amazing. Allendale, dude. But yeah, so anyway, uh, Fred Has Lane anyone ever me- told you that the foot is the head of the leg before? <laughs> wait, huh? does he live in the foot of a statue? Yeah. Okay, wait. Right. Now we're on a different brain ball. Um, I like that Fred Lane showed up and it's like a familiar face. Is that a trigger too? Are they trying to get to Maeve? Are they, like they got to Maeve, but are they trying to you know, get to Maeve? The fact that we didn't see Charlotte Hale, you know, Dolores Charlotte, whatever hybrid she is, makes me think that she's the one pulling the strings for both William and Maeve still. And so we'll get back into that. And then to bring up Lost, because, and drink if that's on your bingo card, mm-hmm. I have to bring up Lost. I got a coffee, so here we go. There are a lot of mirror moments. You notice that uh, Christina was staring at herself in the mirror. There were a lot of moments of reflection. It reminded me of the Flash Sideways, where if you had a second chance, your you're what if, your Marvel what if, um, you know, she's just, she knows there's something, but she can't quite put her finger on it. I thought that was very interesting. And also, just like the flash sideways, Caleb chose, you know, Maeve said you can be whatever the F you want. Caleb chose to go to his old job and be a construction worker. You know, in, in the last flash sideways, you had Sawyer go from, you know, a, a, a criminal to being a, a police officer or a detective, that kind of thing. You have Kate choosing to still run. You have Caleb choosing to still be a construction worker. It's really interesting through the looking glass to see what alternate choices they're making. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, what other questions about the premiere do you have for Joe, Mike? Anything that we encountered in these first uh, this, this first hour of Westworld before we start diving into some feedback or anything else you want to pull in from THR specifically? Yeah, I'll ask something, Joe, about something first before I go to the extracurriculars. Because, listen, I don't want to drudge up bad memories, but give me your theories on the fly. Because uh, I know that I had posited, right, this idea of, like, oh, they're the ones that are spreading this infection. I know some people feel like, you know, is it a replacement thing? Is it, like... I think some someone actually wrote in the feedback that it's almost like larvae, like laying eggs almost, which is a frightening thought. Do you have any hard and fast theories on who and what the flies are at this moment? I mean, I feel like they're nanotech, that they're, you know, there are seven years advanced even more in technology at that point. Um, and obviously they're being, con- they're, if, if the man in black, if William can control them with his brain ball, obviously whoever's controlling him is pulling the strings, so to speak, on these flies. Um are they used only as weapons? Are they used as listening devices? It brings me to the tower that the uh, the unhoused man was talking about and that the stalker was talking about. And yes, those light posts, which are super cool that light up when you walk by them, but not super safe. Um, those look like towers to me, but they also look like part of the machine that makes the bodies, uh, that makes the skin suits. So there's a lot going on there. And then there's a panopticon of it all, which is the tower, which is watching everyone unbeknownst to them. So then there's Stephen King's tower. There's a lot going on with that word to me. Um, are these flies, is there an HQ like there was at the Westworld Park that's called the tower? That's where the flies are set from and created like they created the animals in Westworld. So that's that's all over the map, but that's how I feel about it. 
This podcast is supported by Progressive, a leader in RV insurance. RVs are for sharing adventures with family, friends, and even your pets. So if you bring your cats and dogs along for the ride, you'll want Progressive RV insurance. They protect your cats and dogs like family by offering up to $1,000 in optional coverage for vet bills in case of an RV accident, making it a great companion for the responsible pet owner who loves to travel. See Progressive's other benefits and more when you quote RV insurance at Progressive.com today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Pet injury is an additional coverage and subject to policy terms. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina, and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music, and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie, and Wrightsville, and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Um, we've got a lot about the flies. We've got so much else from the feedback here from the listeners of the Westworld podcast. Mike, do you want to pull anything in from the articles now or do you want to do that as we go? No, I think it's good because I think this will actually be some good general stuff. So as I to mentioned before, it, yeah. yeah, there's a there's a lot of again, they didn't get into too many specifics, but there is an interview up at The Hollywood Reporter uh, by Abby White. That is an interview with co-creator Lisa Joy, showrunner Alistair Shapker, and then Ed Harris and Aaron Paul couple of quotes that I pulled, Lisa Joy said, we previously examined the ways in which hosts are like humans and the ways in which their lives are on loops and their feelings and aspirations could be conceived as very humanistic. This season, we're looking at it from the other way. How much of our own character is pre-programmed? How much of our loops are irrevocable and unchangeable? The way that society filters us into something, the way our own DNA and predilections, hormones, moods, and feelings predetermine a path. So that's interesting because you would almost be like, well, didn't you talk about that in season three? But I think that that scene between Caleb and his coworker, right, where his coworker is like, yeah, same shit, different day. Like, yeah, we just went back to doing these things. There wasn't a big new world order because of it. Uh, you know, it's, it's a pretty sad truth in the wake of revolution that ended season three. But I think that's going to be something that we consistently keep trying to go back to. She also says... We have this limited time experiment of consciousness to figure shit out and try to do the best we can. So all the things that used to be metaphorical about the show are now kind of literal this season as we explore those themes in a very direct way. What do you think is hmm. meant by that? Exploring those themes of limited time consciousness explored quite literally. Oof. It's pretty so, deep. Is there a time bomb that needs to be diffused before all the consciousnesses get wiped out? Um, I mean, I think it could be as it could it could it be not as simple, but as like um, as a character who we know that is, you know, if it's someone like Bernard and his time in the Valley Beyond or something, 
um, irradiates his brain ball or something like that. And he knows he's only got so much time left. I think that there was something not terribly dissimilar with Dolores's story in season three, where she goes into that final plan, knowing mm. that she's not walking out of the room and that she is positioning herself to, to die, but at the, uh, for the benefit of, of, of life really. And to, to move that forward, could there be some exploration of like the time that a character has left? I wonder. Yeah, and that that quote of? made me think that the end of the world, like this show is going to end with everyone being obl- obliterated. All of yeah. it. Robots, humans, mm-hmm. all of it. It's hard to season, know sometimes. Season five a, in space. Is this, a, <laughs> is, this a, is this an optimistic show or a pessimistic show, right? There's so many ways in which it's very cynical and nihilistic and humans are bad and we're doing bad things, but some of us are good and we are worth fighting for. Um, but like, what is the ultimate message here? I think that there is... There are ways in which this this idea of the revolution happens off screen and gets yada yada through because they're more interested in showing the impact of the revolution than the revolution itself. Uh, that the that depicting the war as like the story is going to be more boring than depicting the aftermath of the war. I think is the ethos from the creative side that maybe there is um, there is some degree to which. Uh, that we're gonna we're gonna explore that with some of these characters here of like what are the what's what's the aftermath of of what they have been through and is it is it is it depressing that that Caleb is back at his job or is it a blessing that Caleb is back at his job like I don't know what the show's philosophy and attitude towards that is that's something yeah. I'm excited to see bear out across the season of like did was the revolution good did it do anything does this do anything? Is there anything you can ever do to do anything? You know, which I think is a relevant question right now for a mm-hmm. lot of extremely rightfully tired and angry people. Uh, so curious to see how Westworld interacts with with that. I think notably um, Westworld season four premiered uh, a couple of days after uh, some nightmarish Supreme Court decisions, Roe v. Wade, and uh, and a whole mess of other very highly horribly uh, toxic decisions that could be coming. Um, that uh, Westworld season three premiered uh, right around the time of lockdowns beginning in the yeah. United States here uh, with uh, the the rise of COVID in the U.S. It's just um, interesting to me that like there is some degree of Battlestar Galactica. All of this has happened before. All of this has happened again of Westworld arriving in these really difficult cultural moments um, that I'm very I'm, I'm both excited to have Westworld on right now, sort of like a philosophical companion to some very difficult times, um, but also a little bit nervous of like what is on its mind at the moment. Mm. Um, yeah, um, I mean, I think you bring up an incredibly valid point. I would also say that like, I'm actually fine not seeing the revolution because we dealt with that in season two, right? Like I'm trying to wonder what would the difference really be? Especially if the point is like, we're not so different. You and I host to human, like we go on these similar loops. We've sort of have already dealt with that revolutionary thing and people can sort of take it or leave it. Speaking of, I think like the mission of the season, I do want to point to what I think Maeve and Caleb's next steps are going to be. So Caleb was reading a delightful book to his delightful daughter, Frankie, called uh, My Father's Dragon, I believe is what it's called. Oh, it's another Game of Thrones tie-in. We're teeing things up for the return of Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon. Yeah, luckily this is a much more PG book, or at least they skip past all the points of nudity and all that. Uh, But, I mean, listen, Caleb is uh, a little not so PG with the way he regards his daughter, so like it's not out of the realm of possibility, but... 
I did I did a little bit of book club. I read the book. It's a very short book. It's a book for children, but I think it could be a very easy foreshadowing as to what the storyline is going to be based on where we leave episode one, where essentially my father's dragon tells a story. It's uh, from a boy's perspective where his father told him this story of how he was like told by this cat about this wild island where there was this dragon, this mythical creature who was hurt his wing was broken and so he was held captive by animals he was tied up and essentially being like used for a shuttle service and so the father hops on this boat goes to this place all by himself undergoes all these series of misadventures with all the creatures eventually frees the dragon and they fly away together and we see caleb reading the last lines right of like uh, you heard the other creatures saying no we need our dragon but we would never go back to wild island i think this is a very clear mapping onto what's happening I think some way, somehow, whatever this world Christina is in, I think Maeve and Caleb are going to go in there. They're going to try to rescue her once they get hider, you know, tale of the fact that there is a version of Dolores that might still be around. If that stuff is indeed taking place in this timeline, I think they're going to go to the Wild Island in the form of perhaps this simulation that we're speaking about. They're going to free the dragon and they're going to escape with a version of Dolores for season five. Mm, interesting joe what do you think uh, are we going to steal the dragon is dolores the dragon the mother of dragons i don't know i like that i it's you know i'm i'm absorbing it i'm also a little slow right now <laughs> but i like that i like that good job mike i like that a lot um yeah. i think of the word evolution not revolution because the mm. the post season four poster blew my mind it is a robot taking out a brain ball out of a human skull or putting one in. And it's just the opposite. So it's sort of the evolution. And as we do advance in technology and we're all, we all joke on Twitter about the, the dogs, the robot dogs, like, Oh no, we've watched this movie. We've seen Terminator. We know what's coming. And this show is eerily prescient as we've talked about. And Josh, to go back to your point about what's going on in the world today, the fact that they have a fake Banksy of my brain, my choice Mm-hmm. on the which is genius yeah, yeah. and, and, I, and but, I love that that painting next to it which was right it was the the boy controlling the drone and then the host controlling the boy controlling the drone evolution so it's revolution and it's evolution but yeah i i have a lot to think about mike bloom thanks for that yes we always have a lot to think about when <laughs> you mike rely bloom on me to room. dive into, into children's literature <laughs> <laughs> I, I won't read watership down but i will read fair. this random book from the 1970s Super fair. You know what I will read is feedback. We have so much of it. Let's get into it from the listeners of the Westworld podcast here on Post Show Recaps. Again, as a reminder, you can send your feedback in Westworld at postshowrecaps.com or you can talk to us in the Discord uh, if you sign up at patreon.com slash postshowrecaps. Again, put it off until the start of July. That is a strong recommendation from me to you. Uh, This comes our way via Nick D. Uh, Nick writes in and says, Fans of the first season who stopped watching should listen to the adapt or die tagline for this season. Uh, so a strong start uh, from, from Nick. Um, Nick has, uh, has some thoughts about Caleb. Uh, Nick says, I think Caleb is still human despite Maeve's memory of his injury. They've done that, twi- that twist too much, and I can't see it working as well as having him as an actual human character since there aren't many left. I also really like that they've made him a father this season as parenthood is a crucial part of many characters' stories. Um, Joe, if you if if Caleb turns out to be a host, is this a big miss or are you open to whatever they have creatively in mind for that character? 
I'm 50-50 on it. I think it's yeah. by design that they give him a daughter around the same age as Maeve's fake daughter and that mm-hmm. those two are paired up. Um, I'd, I have faith that it will make sense regardless of whether he's human or not. Yeah, and Mike, you're pretty out on it. I just think for me, it's to a point that like you made and to something actually that's also brought up with uh, like the Charlotte side of things that Nick goes on to say, which says, I don't think Dolores is a character that uh, Christine is a character that Dolores is based on, but rather a version of her in a new simulation designed by Hale to trick her into spilling secrets. If that is also the case, like it's feeling a bit samey to me. We just had this thing with Maven War World, right? Where she was able to figure it out of like, oh, you're putting me in this simulation so that I spill my secrets. If this does indeed have them do the exact same thing to Dolores, if this happens to be, okay, here's a guy who thought he was human, but then he died and then he became a host. Like, it just feels like then we're on our own loops from a narrative perspective. Yeah. Um, This is from Ronnie. Ronnie has some thoughts about the flies. Uh, Ronnie writes in and says, the intro shows the flies being made from the same fluid like that of the hosts. So I think that Hale is perhaps creating this with the ability to control them. Once they intercept a human of interest, the flies enter the body, and Hale is possibly able to control the movement of the flies, thus controlling the actions of the people. Not necessarily full control of the person, they're probably trying to fight against the unwarranted actions caused by the flies, but ultimately aren't able to do so. Obviously not sure, just a theory, wanted to throw that out there. Um, Joe, I really love the idea of these flies are being remote-controlled by tessa thompson and she's just in like her evil tessa thompson tower just with like two hands on the joysticks just controlling all the little flies i really hope that when we finally see tessa thompson on the show she's just like in like a like a dr claw type of a throne uh like an evil gamer chair and she's just playing uh fly 3d I just think of her as Valkyrie in a suit sitting uh-huh. on the throne. I'm just Ooh. saying. I'm just saying. She does look great in a suit. She, um, I mean, we're, we may come to find out, Joe, that Charlotte Hale is is the is the king of Asgard in, in Westworld, wait, too. Wait, right? let's put out a bet here. What do we see first from Tessa Thompson? Her in Westworld Season 4 or her in Thor Love and Thunder? Oh, that's funny because Thor Love and Thunder is right around the corner. That's going to be, what, a July 8th? premiere yep, so think. so it's going to be after episode two essentially i'm okay. going to say she's coming back in episode two you can't keep tessa thompson away this is such a good question and we will have an immediate answer to this which is exciting is yeah. is she going to show up in episode two is the question um i will say yes and it will be towards the end yeah, like I'll say I'll, reveal. I'll, just just to, just for fun, I'll say no. I think that our first glimpse of Tessa Thompson in 2022 on a major project is going to be her in Thor: Love and Thunder. She's oh going to have the opening scene of episode two. That's going to be my prediction. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So there. Now we're all over the map as usual. Okay. So <laughs> there you go. Joe is at the start of the episode. I'm at the back of the episode, and Mike is taking the field. Um, okay. All right. Well, we'll see. Well, we'll, we'll see where we, where we land with all of that. Yeah. Um, I mean, it makes sense that she would be controlling everything. Um, and I think that she doesn't really have to even have a, a, a game uh, console. I think she's doing it in her mind. Oh, sure. I mean, mesh network type stuff. Yeah. I mean, mesh network control over those flies is a horrific prospect to me. I would uh, like to see my two favorites. I would like to see Tandaway Newton and Tessa Thompson really battle at the end of this. I feel yeah. like we've seen Dolores and her, Maeve do it. But I would love to see Hale versus her. 
I mean, it would be another Dolores rematch. Right. This would, but yeah. this would be one that Maeve would be pretty psyched should, about ending, should, I think. Should Maeve upgrade from the katana? Feels like bringing a sword to a gunfight is tough. No, I think she's, she's just it. fine. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and I think that there, there may be some degree of sentimentality attached to it as well, uh, considering that um, she wakes up and is very swiftly after her her wake up is in Shogun world and spent a lot of time there and had like a very eye-opening experience for her that I think that like her connection to that fighting style is probably, um, you know, deeply rooted in her emotionality too. So I don't know, um, but a lot has happened and I bet she's picked up a few tricks in the eight years that she has been both awake and on the other side of a war. Yes. Um, and uh, she's had nothing but time to train in the Alaskan wilderness all on her own. I would thought, I was like, oh, God, she's going to run into Dexter now. Because uh-huh. yeah. flannel. tonight's the night. Or into Jesse Pinkman, who I believe is in Alaska I totally as well. thought about that. Yeah, uh, that'd be a good crossover. <laughs> Pass the katana, bitch. Yes, that would be good. Uh, from Ran, this is from Ran. Uh, I am of the mind that... Chloris, Chloris, I don't know. We're not, how to we're say not this. calling her Chloris. I don't. Chloris. That sounds like some sort of off-brand cleaner. Ran is trying to come up with a name for Christina meets Dolores, and it is spelled out here as Crolois. And I can't do this. I can't put that together. I'm just gonna have to say Christina Dolores. Uh, it's That's a hyphenated a name. name. Christina or, Dolores or sounds like Dol- a really nice person to meet. Or how about Dolstina? <laughs> Dolstina. Dulce. And that sounds like a chocolate treat. Yeah. Mm, I could go for some Dulcina right now. Certainly Joe, more the than the last time you had a Dulcina? Yesterday on the plane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's the like, like, uh, Sprite or, or Dulcina? Oh, I'll have the Dulcina, please. Now um, we have to use that name. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Mike Bloom does it again. Um, <laughs> I am of the mind that Dulcina, this is what Rand says with a Mike Bloom edition, is a simulation a la Maeve in War World and that her existence is an attempt to recreate Dolores Prime and the encryption key for the Valley Beyond, thinking that Holoris and the Man in Black salvaged Dolores' brain ball, but that it was too damaged to resurrect, so they had to imprint onto a new ball and then run the sim until she awakens and remembers. Yeah, so it's um, a, little bit, a little bit like defragging, right? Of like, oh, we, we recovered some data and we're going to try to like rebuild the persona from there based on the little info that we have. Right. Um, what do you think of this idea, Joe, that the world that um, that Christina, that Dulstina is inhabiting is, is A, simulated... But within that, um, it's not just simulated, but it is under the control of a new round of oppressors for Dolores. I guess like a familiar crop of oppressors. I like the idea, but I I will politely agree to disagree. I do think that she's in a simulation, but her character, the first three seasons, so wanted to get out of Westworld and to see the splendor and the beauty of a different life. And I think that her, Christina is so, it's like her new self is fighting against the reality of Dolores, even against the program and that she doesn't know that she has. I, I personally don't think she's being controlled by someone else. I think she's unwittingly in charge of narratives and that, you know, the, you have two, a couple different factors. You have William and um, Hale or Holoris, and yeah. then you have Maeve and, and Caleb. So I'm very curious to see how those three subsets of people come together and who's controlling who. Yeah. Who, which do you think Peter is then? Like, do you think this is naturally part of the program to get something out of Dolstina? Or do you think this was like 
a Ford-esque disruption, right? Of like, here's someone who knows the, this is someone from the Truman Show, right? Who essentially drops the guys and reveals what it is and then gets taken away. That's the former. I totally, uh, or the latter rather. rather. I do I do believe that he's a glitch in the Matrix. That Teddy is. No, not Teddy, that uh, Peter. Peter. That Peter is. Peter's a glitch yes. in the Matrix. We haven't talked about Teddy. We'll get to Teddy. No, we should talk about Teddy right now. I think um, we had gotten this from, from Luke. Uh, Luke had written in, said, my first thought is that I think the show wants us to believe that Teddy, if that's, his still, if that's still his name, is present with some purpose to bring Christina back into the mess in some form. However, my theory is that the Christina story is in some way a manifestation of Dolores's dream for what her life could have been if mm. her Westworld life was real. A story of a girl who wants more out of life, finds sweet romance with Teddy, and has a happy ending. I think the plot line will exist more as a coda to the Dolores storyline than a continuation of it. My hope is for a happy ending at least, and this episode gave me the feeling that one is possible at least for Dolstina. All in all, I'm just happy that Teddy is back. He was always the beating heart of the show in my eyes, ironic considering how often his heart was stopped. Luke loved the premiere. Um, what do we think about this idea of uh, Teddy is not Teddy, but instead is some sort of like dream manifestation of Dolstina, Mike? Are you in on that idea or out? Well, first, all I could think about when Luke was uh, writing his thing, when he said story of a girl, I thought, this is the story of a girl. Mm -hmm. uh, and she did cry a river and drown the whole world. So, like, I guess, this, in a manner this, of speaking. Could, could you better that write song, a new song. You better yeah, write us a new song. Could that song yes. be the predecessor to what ends up happening. To your point, Joe, if this ends in like a global mass genocide, perhaps the story of a girl ended up being prophetic the entire time. I really like that idea. Again, if this is a test of like, Hey, I'm the man of your dreams. Hey, now that you're nice and comfortable, why don't you leak any information that you happen to know? I think that totally makes a lot of sense of like, you may not recognize me, but there certainly is some familiarity there. It's like essentially if somebody was using the flash sideways and lost to like weaponize it, right? If the, if the purpose wasn't to get everyone together to wake up, but more so being like, uh, hey, Jack, it's me, your sister, my, your stepsister who I didn't know. This is so great. Nice to meet you. Uh, by the way, how many malpractice, you know, suits do you have against you? Try to like really weaponize that and bring out that information by bringing in elements from their personal life, even if it doesn't necessarily feel familiar. Yeah. One of the thoughts when I first saw it, I knew James Marsden from the Westworld panel at ATX was going to be back in some capacity. Mm. When I first saw him come out of the shadow, I immediately went, oh, okay, I get it now. Ariana DeBose's roommate character is a total plant. She is... The whole black and white thing and the whole she was pushing so hard for Dolores to, to go on a date with Captain Douchebag, which he totally was, that she is under control, I think, of Hale um, because she's trying to not she doesn't want Dolores to. Sorry, Dolstina. Dolstina. To, to it's just, I can't quite explain it because, again, jet lag and tired, but I feel like she was pushing so hard for her to date. And just because I think that whoever is controlling Aranda DeBose's character, what's her character name? Do we know? Uh, Do we have that handy? Let's Maya. See. Our, yeah, Maya, Maya is, is Aranda DeBose's yep. character. Yeah. yeah. So whoever's controlling Maya, who I totally believe is a host, is trying to steer her away from ever discovering Teddy because that might trigger a part of her awakening. Yeah. Well, that's interesting, yeah, because we, we spoke about this at the end of season one, right, Ford's thing to Bernard, like, I'd like you to meet Dolores. We've never had the two of you really interact because you've set off something in each other. Maybe this could be the thing. Again, I go back to the Truman Show, right, where, like, they kept this person under lock and key. I forget who the character was, but it was because, like... His dad. 
Yeah, I think it was, yeah, it was right. his dad, exactly. Of like, oh, we don't want you to awaken that part of yourself. Right. Yep. Yep. And I did love him. And, and, and when Christina was writing her quote story for her job that she had, you know, her taking care of an infirm old man. Obviously, that was her her dad in the park. Um, did you also notice that the stalker's name is Peter and her dad's name is Peter? Yes. Yeah, we, yeah, I believe we talked about that as well, which is interesting, right? Because Peter Abernathy whispered these violent delights have violent ends, which really set Dolores on her path there. Whereas here, Peter uh, makes a bit of a louder gesture suffice it to say than just a whisper but at the same time could be one of the key cogs to also waking a dulcina up to the nature of her reality well i mean he went after her on the porch it reminded me of when when william the man in black violently went after her on the farm and i was like oh god she's going to awaken because she's being attacked that didn't happen so i just now i'm looking for triggers right along the way this episode is brought to you by paramount plus Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So that being said, I actually want to bring up something from Kenny from Upstate, which I really appreciated. Uh, So his quick take is that uh, Dolstina is in a version of the park, perhaps not a simulation, but a new version of the park. Everything we see in her surroundings is very simplistic, and there's definitely connections to be made through William Blake's auguries of innocent world in a grain of sand. Should be noted, by the way, this is Mike Bloom, parenthetical, this episode was called The Auguries. So Mm -hmm. I think that that makes a lot of sense. As in Christina's world, there's direct imagery, one by way of a store right behind her called Grain Sand. And then when Peter jumps off the building, there's a store called Flower Yoke. Uh, and he reads this poem, To see a world in a grain of sand, and a heaven in a wild flower, hold infinity in the palm of your hand, and eternity in an hour. And I'm not sure if Kenny realizes this, we have heard that poem before. When Bernard went into the forge back in season two and he ends up leaving possessed with the spirit of Robert Ford, that's the very first thing that he says to him, right? He lists this poem off. So I think it's very much entrenched in the show's history. And I think it's a great call out from Kenny that that imagery is once again being invoked here. Very interesting. Uh, Another thing that Kenny writes in and says is, I'm tracking the name Christina and the follower in this episode, Peter. Uh, so perhaps some uh, religious connections to the naming of these characters in this episode. Uh, and in thinking about that and in thinking about Christina uh, and thinking about Dolores as, uh, you know, she says in season three, you all come from me, basically, right? You know, sort of this b- big godly position that she has when she's talking to Maeve. It does make me think about Dolores as something of the god of the hosts to some extent. And then is Christina the daughter of God? Uh, You know, Mm. could Christina ostensibly be the closest that you get to like having a a, like to to like reproducing as a host 
in the world and that Do- that Dolores could have effectively given way to Christina to Dulcina being the daughter of God Mike. Yeah, and it could also be immaculately conceived. Oh my god. It was gosh. not natural, right? Oh, that- Christina, you were immaculately conceived. Yeah. <laughs> You are you are a miracle. Uh, oh no! Does this mean is Dolstina now going to go the way of Darth Vader now, much like Anakin Skywalker? We're going to get Emily Locke in season four. Of oh Westworld. gosh! Keep yeah. her out of there, Koozie <laughs> Swartz or whatever. Koozie you have no right to be here. Yeah. Hey, we love her. We love I, her. I just realized too that one of the I know I keep coming back to the, to the word trigger, and I apologize for that. But having Stalker Peter, you know, take his own life just like Teddy did. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of very similar things someone's trying to get to her and it is not working is that why teddy ends up like beating him up like hey that's my job unbelievable (laughs) uh so i'm i'm tracking christina as possibly like the exploration of um what does it like for the host what does it look like for the hosts to start creating life of their own um and what does it look like for the hosts to start paving the way for the next generation of hosts uh, and could Christina somehow be um, effectively like the offspring of Dolores? Um, cue the offspring music at this point in time would be uh, a Ramin Juwadi uh, piano cover of yeah, 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 yeah. would be pretty good. Uh, I don't think that something like that is coming later on this season. Um, this is another read on Christina that lines up with what you were talking about on the first podcast, Mike. This is from yet another Mike who starts by saying, I agree with Mike. Uh, <laughs> this is sorry. So, found my burner account. I should have been more creative with my You should have. Yeah. Uh, Mike says, I agree with Mike that the Christina storyline is in the past before the park. Some interesting things I noticed. We get the morning routine a la Desmond twice, and she looks exactly the same in each one. Not a hair out of place when she crawls out of bed. We know that Dolores was the first host ever created, so we can assume robots like that did not exist previously. So she is not a full-blown host, nor are the people inside the game she is writing for. I think this is more of a Ready Player One universe where it's a VR simulation, and she logs in every morning and appears in bed, looking exactly the same way she did the night before and the same every night. She goes to work virtually. Geez, where did that idea come from? At Olympiad and is writing stories for NPCs in this virtual world. She will get noticed by Ford or Arnold, who are the head of Olympiad, because her stories have heart and romance, which they love, and they've based the first host on her. This is basically going to be the origin story of the park. Joe, have you weighed in on the idea of the Christina story being like prequel material, this being like, far past stuff and Christina being the template for Dolores. It doesn't work for me, but that doesn't mean it's not valid. Why doesn't it work for you? Um, just thinking about how futuristic Westworld was, mm. but this seems even more futuristic now with the technology they have. I, but again, I I could be wrong and I'm, I'm wrong a lot, you guys. Like that's my specialty, but this is the fun, right? In the, de- in the deep dive speculation. Um, I don't know. It just, for some reason, it just doesn't work for me. Yeah. Um, I think that this is probably, does it feel too much like ultimately the William of season one twist? And I know, I know that we were just talking about this, Mike, with like, would Caleb just be a retread if he's a host? Um, if they were doing like the, the Christina stuff is actually happening in the far past, would that just be a little too close to some of the stuff that we've seen specifically with the man in black and William story? Not if it's more settled into this thing that I've sort of settled on with happy medium of like, this is retelling the past story, but it's being done in this newer setting. 
of like you're reliving your past but in a very different way to just try to unlock that part of your persona i think that's new enough for me as opposed to like no this is literally just a flashback that is now taking place years before and because joe talks about like the tech aspect of it there are certainly things like the maze that pops up which wouldn't necessarily be around like arnold came up with the maze watching from his son charlie's maze like the actual image of it uh when his son was sick so like that doesn't really make much sense but there's enough of a new twist on it if it's more so like much like with a lot of these characters the man in black in season two dolores in season one where they are running through their loops but in like a different setting in a more modern day setting even if they don't realize that's the case i think that's that's fine to sort of keep doing Joe, I want to toss one out at you. This is once again from Mike Not Bloom. Um, Mike Not Bloom writes in and says, "This is my other theory. Maeve can see into the future." That's there's, so Maven. There's there's this weird scene where she is seen with Caleb, and he has been shot. Obviously, Caleb is fine when we see him, so this has to be something different. What if during her interaction with Solomon and given her ability to control machines, she picked up some of the algorithm for determining people's future? And that is coming through now in the version of a flash forward. And she is seeing what is going to happen. Joe, Maeve, your favorite character now armed with uh, with the ability to look into the future. Is this, she's like an Isaac Mendes without the painting. Oh, mystery sock. <laughs> Okay, stop with your heroes references. Sorry. Nerds. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I make lost references. You can make heroes. We're just um, warming I, up. We're just getting is, used to it. But this is also by far the worst thing. Like, yeah, you guys, I make lost comparisons. You guys make heroes references. <laughs> it's like the dirtiest thing ever. It's yeah. true. Mm-hmm. Uh, listen, Mike, not Bloom. I dig it. I hadn't thought about that. Um, I assumed they were flashbacks and little nuggets of like post blowing up the big round ball re- re- with the R name. I can't say right now because I cannot possibly Rehoboam. And also I one. said Solomon very weirdly. huh? You did say it weird. Oh, God, it just did not come out right. So sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, after that, they blew that thing up. Um, you know, we don't know what happened in the last seven years. I just assumed that he was injured. And that Maeve saved him. But I do dig the idea of a, of a future reading Maeve. I'm on board. What do you think, Mike? Uh, We have seen Maeve so many times across this show just pick things up, right? You know, she's very good at, like, communicating. In in season three, she's communing with the the handguns uh, and using them Mm -hmm. to, like, turn against their wielders. Is there a world where she picked up what Rehoboam was putting down and is able to use some of that uh, predictive algorithm uh, and, like, map that onto her own hostness? So it could be possible because let's remember back when Rehoboam collapsed right when like Dolores ended up dying Maeve was I believe the only other host that was in the room it could have been something much like the EMP that ends up taking out Solomon where like there's something that affects all of the hosts in the room and certainly you know when Dolores and Maeve meet up uh in that sort of like odd idyllic setting right they like sort of shake hands they're like okay now I understand what you're doing that could have also been much like Ford and Bernard in that aforementioned Forge scene a bit of like passing of the baton not only of ideals but possibly of powers. I mean, that would be interesting. We love talking, especially as Lost fans, right, about whatever happened, happened, and this idea of, like, preventing the future, preventing prophecies, etc. If indeed Maeve is seeing the future, like, is she going where any near that place that they're going to get blown out of? Is this a possibility or is this a guarantee? Because the thing with Rehoboam was that it wasn't predicting the future, 
it was setting outcomes to guarantee that future, yeah. right? It, was, it wasn't really that predictive as much as it was kind of like handcuffing the world to guarantee something specific happened so that it could say it was correct 100% of the time. And so that's a little bit different than what Maeve has, but I dig it, man. I dig that So Maven. I think that's a super fun idea. I think that So Maven would be really fun. Uh, Joe, if you could possibly love Maeve anymore, I feel like this might do it. I mean, I've, I'm psyched. It's like a whole new dimension has been opened. Thanks, yeah. Mike Notbloom. Yeah, we appreciate that. Uh, we like that quite a bit. Um, what else do we want to talk about here? Let's um, um let's go with I'm gonna go with old friend of DTH. Uh, let's talk to Ben Martell, the Ben oh, behind yeah. the curtain. Ben is uh, a big theory guy. Uh, loves Westworld in particular. So let's talk about the tower for a hot second because that's something that's popped up. Joe, you spoke about uh, how you know that guy was was drawing it. The lamp post bear that similar like angular, almost like a backward seven to the tower. This is what Ben has to say. His theory is that the tower is a physical, very real thing that is a necessary part of creating the simulation that is capable of bringing hosts back, Dolores, Teddy, etc., without their needing to be existing brain balls, and capable of them turning back into real people, hence Colonel Brigham. But that, for now, the real-world versions are incomplete, not the real quote-unquote Westworld versions of these hosts. The man in black needs the Hoover Dam to make that real. Uh, and the theory on the big theme of this season is about whether, if finally removed from their structures and given the three will they've craved, the characters actually can be different, or if they revert to the same version of themselves. Caleb destroyed Rehoboam, and in doing that, theoretically rejected his destiny, but the guy in the building asked if his life had changed. We see it has changed substantially, but there's an open question of whether Caleb can't help but revert back to some kind of inevitable version of himself that Rehoboam believed was true. We see that with Dolstina, too. This version of her wanting to change her destiny and get her happy ending, but the story happening around her is about people not being able to change their endings. Uh, so there's a lot to do with that, but I want to focus on the tower stuff for now. That essentially, this world right now is almost like a sandbox, right? But instead of almost loading from like a, a hard drive copy, it's almost like uh, this is the cloud in the form of the tower, that these are kind of like perma-saved versions of the hosts, and that when hosts are brought into the real world, like we see with the Colonel Brigham, who was a host before, he had no knowledge of being a host prior. So it's not completely actualized. It's much more just so like, hey, let's wire this person's consciousness into a body and they'll have no previous memory of who they were. Um, Joe, have you given any thought to the tower imagery that we have seen a couple of times here in the in the first episode of the season so far? I have, but I also haven't. Like I'm trying, it's only one episode. Yep. Um, when Westworld had the genius marketing coffee pop-ups at both ATX and in New York City, mm -hmm. uh, they drew the light post looking thing on the cups. So oh, interesting. clearly that's what they're hinting at. And then I was yeah. like, maybe it's literally under our nose where the tower is what's in the Hoover Dam. Let me, uh, I don't believe we have confirmation of a subtitle for season four yet. Okay. The tower? The tower. Could be the tower. They love the thes. The bagel in the mailbox, whatever it is. <laughs> we had what? We had the maze, the door, the new, the world, new world, the tower? Maybe. When do we find that out? I don't know. I guess okay. we got to know I, more about the tower. I feel like don't those subtitles usually come out after this season? Like, I don't believe we were talking about sub season one being subtitled the maze during season no, one. No, but I do think that we were talking about the door and the new world first. And so I think um, before before seasons two and three came out. So the fact mm. that we don't have a subtitle for season four 
feels like it is going to be some form of snake in the mailbox to your point, Joe. Uh, Like, I think that we are going to get hit by like, or it may be like the frozen donkey wheel, which was the code word for the, uh, the twist ending of lost season four, which was like, you know, Damon and Carlton, uh, Damon Lindelof and Carlton Cuse had come up with all these like cheeky, cute names to uh, code name their twists at the end of every season. Uh, and they came up with one for season four and would hype it up on the podcasts in the lead up to it as the frozen donkey wheel. And so I was like, I have no idea what that could possibly be. And then it turned out to just be literally a frozen donkey wheel. It's my favorite thing. <laughs> you know, so is is there a frozen donkey wheel in the future for a season four subtitle? Would the tower be that? Or can they like not tell us what it is because it's going to tip off something that's really important about Dolstina, for instance? I keep thinking about the Lord of the Rings, the two towers, and that mm-hmm. there are two sides. Ah. One is light, one is dark, quite literally. <laughs> They're taking the host to Isengard. The Isengard. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, I, yeah, I feel like there's more than one tower. Um, yeah. Or it is some kind of HQ. Uh, I, I think about the Dark Tower. Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly. Is, is something that I consider a lot. And I think the Dark Tower, without getting too deep into spoilers about a really incredible but super complicated and obviously very difficult to adapt Stephen King uh, novel <laughs> series, uh, is that uh, it is also similarly dealing with the ideas of loops and can they be broken? Uh, and what can you do to like get yourself off of certain paths and tracks? Uh, so the dark tower actually could end up being the man in black is certainly uh, mm-hmm. and and ed harris being both the man in black but also a gunslinger of sorts uh could be embodying both randall flag and uh roland death chain now we're getting really deep into the dark tower nerdery um so i think that there could be some dark tower connective tissue uh to to westworld generally but i think potentially even um season four specifically they can totally just be effing with us as well and there is yeah. no tower oh yeah uh no. there is no tower only zool um what else do we have here in terms of the feedback um, uh I'll, I'll read something here that came to us on a twitter so a lot of these were through email with mm-hmm. the kosher recaps patreon discord uh but of course we're always receptive on twitter as well this is from um, mace marvels josh do not be triggered that i am Marvel a little was- bit we're good. The marvelous Mace Marvel yes. wrote, uh, my guess on the end game of Westworld, not necessarily to be fully realized this season, is that Holoris is able to perfect some form of fidelity, giving humans immortality, but confined to traumatic loops within a new version of the park. So basically condemning humanity to hell. Some hints towards this in the season four premiere would be host William buying up a bunch of land and taking over that data to which Dolores held the encryption key and the post credits of season two bold claim but i love it that the the final image of like westworld season five if it ends at season five would be like okay the park is now open that the roles have truly swapped and now it's the host that go visit a park of humans that are on loops Oof. i dig it oh I my dig gosh it. that's pretty great this might be what we deserve to be I'm, I'm i'm a little jealous to be honest my brain ball is fuzzy so i i wish i came up with that well, I mean, I think we do definitely to uh, Maze Marvel's point. Uh, we definitely see, you know, a version of that potentially in the post credits of season two uh, yeah. of the of the man in black showing back up. And then there's the host, Emily, searching for fidelity. And so is that really like a glimpse into the end game of the show? Um, I definitely think that we are potentially making a fatal error if we are conflating the man in black at the end of season three 
with the man of, in black at the end of season two. Those yeah, are not necessarily the same people. They may very well be very different people. And the man in black of season two at the end of season two may not have made his like debut on Westworld proper quite yet in terms of like the ongoing uh, continuity. And I think that that could end up being tremendously vitally important to where this story ultimately is going. And like, is yeah. there any, if not, rehabilitation for William. I mean, I think if there is, if there is any rehabilitation for William in the future of this show, then that really is like a fairly optimistic outlook towards humanity from Lisa joy and Jonah Nolan of like, yeah, even the worst of us can change. I don't know that that's how they feel about the future. Um, but I, I think that whatever's going on there is, is really important to, to put a pin in for sure. Yeah. I, I really do like that point that you made about like, it's not a direct line uh, because I think the post credit scene in season two was what the Delos Immortality Project was all about, right? Which was a human consciousness inside of a host body that was fully realized that William's like, hey, I'm William, but no, I'm actually in a host body. This version, I think to the point that Joe made, the question that she asked, I think this is either like some sort of drone host, some sort of just like blank slate host in William's body or like a copied version of his memories, not directly like let's take his consciousness and put it in somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's do one last one. This is from the prolific Spencer Y uh, who had a bunch of things that he wrote in this week, including uh, uh, props for Baxter Stockman references uh, in the season premiere recap. But I think this one is, is fun to get into as sort of an ending point. Um, Spencer says that this show likes its twists and crazy reveals. And I'm certain the Christina storyline is the huge shoe to drop for this season. I'm more in favor of season four giving its unique take and spin on the ideology of the Matrix films rather than riffing on and winking too much at the gaming industry. Could you imagine the fan and viewer outrage if this season or the entire show ends with a zoom out to a bunch of humans playing a video game or VR simulation the whole time? This would reside somewhere on the scale of St. Elsewhere Snow Globe, which is reviled, to the Lego movie Human Will Ferrell in the Basement, which is acceptable. Um, review... what, a, what a description of the ending to good scale. Human Will Ferrell in the Basement. It's a good scale. Um, revealing Christina's world to be a test or simulation would be somewhat simple. I hope the showrunners have something clever and meaningful up their sleeve. I think that I'm really happy not knowing right now, Joe. I think I'm like really, really thrilled to be in sort of this place where like, I don't know what you guys are thinking, but I kind of am happy that I don't. I think it's kind of fun that we're sort of in this place of just like totally blindly guessing at a few possibilities that seem plausible. And that's nice that we at least have plausible direction. And it sounds like according to Ed Harris, things are going to be relative. If, if Ed Harris can follow Westworld season four, there's hope for all of us. Um, so, uh, I, but I, I like not knowing yet, and I'm sure that it's going to become clearer the deeper we push into this, whether it's not a simulation, Joe. I think uh, it's, a good, it's a good place to be right now at the edge of this thing. The three of us, and the, clearly those who actually listen to us ramble on every week, are fans of non-answers. We don't need to know. We don't look ahead. We don't even watch the trailer, if we can help it, for the next episode. Right. And that's how we did with Lost, too. It just makes the viewing experience more enjoyable. I am enjoying the journey without understanding most of it. And we have a podcast about this show. I think the joy comes from the speculation. The Lisa joy of it all comes yes. from speculation. Yeah. And I'm glad I don't know. And I'm glad, unlike season one, that I wasn't starting to figure things out. So they've done an excellent job in that regard. Yeah. 
Um, we got anything else here, Mike Bloom? I don't think so. Uh, on the note of Spencer's thing, I mean, on that idea of like, I do not think they're going to pan out to be like, my God, it's a world. It's uh, whatever the name of it is uh, in Ready Player One, right? It's like Elysium or something maybe. Or maybe I have to give another uh, random movie. But like, Oh yeah, that's Elysium you're thinking of. Oh <laughs> yes, of course. The <laughs> one that maybe happened season five of Westworld where they go into space because right. they're leaving a doomed planet behind. They're going to, to Halo, yeah. Exactly. I, I don't think we're going to get that, though it is interesting that in the credits, and I guess to finish off, Joe, I'd love your thoughts on any of the, the visuals from the credit stuff. It does end with like everyone in their own little bubble, right, within this multi-celled organism. It could indeed be a representation of what Spencer is fearing, that like everyone is now inside this their own little version of this simulation. It reminded me of one of my favorite movies of last year. My One of my favorite animated movies of all time, The Mitchells versus The Machines. Have you seen mm -hmm, it? Mm -hmm. It just, uh, it, for those of you who have seen it, it there's a, a, a futuristic cartoon version of everyone stuck in a bubble with technology as well. That's the first thing that made me laugh and made me think of that. Also, the opening is like, I love the opening title sequence. It's like the eyeball of, an, of a fly. It's no longer the human eye, which they started with in season one. Um, so the, the evolution and revolution into that is very, very interesting. I don't think we're going to end up as an entire show being a simulation. Maybe that's just wishful thinking. I just don't see it happening. Yeah. Um, I don't think so either. I think a component could be in. It also wouldn't be the first time, you know. Um, and the show, I think, has been really cards up about the times we have gone into a simulation. Uh, you know, the the war world of it all is resolved in a single episode. Yeah, look Bernard, at those aspect ratios. You know, we're hand in hand with Bernard going into um, into the cradle, and we know what the we we know what the forge is, and we know the valley beyond, and all of that stuff. Um, and I think that watching the Christina storyline, it does feel like, oh, here we go, another simulation. And the fact that it isn't being tipped over yet is like, okay, well, you really ha better have something original and unique in uh, up your sleeve, which is why I think like, if it's some kind of a simulation, that's totally fine and acceptable to me as long as that's like a component within the show. And also, I think that like with that shoe dropping, some other shoe also needs to drop. And I think it's like... How is this simulation connected to Westworld if this is indeed a simulation at all? That's like the really important um, eye of the needle to thread. Uh, and I, I don't think it's, I, I think that it's going to be hopefully pretty satisfying. I have a lot of faith in, in um, a lot of these, a lot of these twists that they've done throughout the seasons of Westworld. I have really enjoyed. So uh, I, I'm not, and I don't think either any of us have like gone to Reddit. I have no idea nope. if like Reddit has nope. blown this case open yet. Um, please, if you are going to be writing in feedback, don't do like the Reddit thing. Don't like show us what Reddit has all fully collectively decided upon. We would like to try and puzzle this all out as a community. Mad props to Reddit for being Seriously. able to do this thing, but we want to, to try and... Uh, to the point where they got Jonah Nolan and Nisa Joy to be like, oh, okay, change the ending. Someone figured it out. Yeah, I mean, like, if someone is, like, really plugged into the Reddit stuff and wants to just write in at any point be like, yeah, Reddit, got it, then, like, you could say that, and that's fine, but, you know, we give the props where they're due, but we want to keep the speculation uh, pretty clean and pure here on the podcast for sure. Um, Joe, is there anything else from the premiere that you didn't get to talk about that you want to make sure that you get to give your voice on? No, but I have hope now that um, Elsie will show up in a new form. I'm just saying Shannon will yeah. show up. I'm just saying. Listen, okay? all these all these people are, you know, what is old is new. What is dead may never die. Everyone's back on the table, dude. I, I'm just yeah. saying. 
<laughs> no, I really enjoyed it. I'm really looking forward to episode two and the rest of this season. I get the same uh, feeling of deep satisfaction watching this show because, again, I may not understand it all, but I think it's such a beautiful journey. I love the um, the way in the future that everyone has practical, comfortable, monochromatic clothing. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. I dig that. I dig the architecture. Well, listen, we're going from gray joy to gray scales. Speaking of hey. they never die. And to exactly. Lisa Joy. Hey. No, I, I just, I, I dig it. Despite the dystopian part of it all, I dig the future that they're presenting from a technology and um, human standpoint. I'm utterly fascinated and I should be terrified, but I'm not. Yeah. I'm always scared, to be <laughs> honest. I'm always terrified. It's my base state. Um, also, have none of us talked about like the like the the earrings that that uh, the one that Dolores has, and I feel like I saw that on a few other characters as well, like the piercings. Is mm -hmm. that anything to be? Tracking? It looks like a cuff that she uses to answer and talk. In, yeah, in yeah, yeah. Like that's the well. So she was using it in her work to like record her pitches, and she used it at the end as well. So I think it almost might be one of those like personal recorders that people used to use or like what we use nowadays for voice memos. I'm imagining that's what it is. Well, instead yeah. of ear is obviously the, uh, the air the AirPods uh, get replaced by an ear cuff that, you know, obviously, yeah. I, I, but did we see any on any male characters? None that come to mind. Maybe the no, boss? I think, or the, the guy that, yeah, I think, I think the boss had one. And I think the guy that was sitting in the cubicle and like okay. one of the B roll footage, I think had one as well. By the yeah. way, the stereotype of the men in this episode of the a-hole, boss and the a-hole date it was um quite something they were just your typical douchey stereotypes and, and to yeah. me they were so over the top that i was like something's up and yeah. so you know that that's created by Holoris, right like she has an understandable very demented view of toxic masculinity and so she's like yeah i'm just gonna make these guys like the biggest a-hole so that when nice guy teddy swoops in it's gonna be such a stark difference i mm. did not enjoy watching evan richard as christina being not a wallflower but not being this super strong you know, opinionated character. It was almost hard for me to watch her in it in, as a weaker character. Yeah. Well, maybe she's going to turn out to be the strongest Dolores yet. Ooh, uh, right. That's the hope. Listen, never underestimate a Dolstina. I feel like we've learned <laughs> that lesson before and we would be uh, remiss to, to to ignore it moving forward into the future. Of I keep thinking show. about Xtina, like Christina Aguilera is going to be Dolstina now. That's her next oh iteration. Well, she is a fighter. Yeah. Exactly. Hey. Oh my gosh. Uh, now I just have Candyman stuck in my head, which is very fun. At That's this a moment great song. Um, again, I would love a Ramin Jawadi. Candyman would be uh, very good as well. We need more covers. We we didn't talk about the Lana Del Rey video games cover, so which good. was really great. Yeah, that, was that was really great. really great. Um, this has always been a show that's been in conversation with video games uh, from the very very beginning. It's been a yeah. huge reference point for Nolan. Enjoy the Red Dead. Yeah, like when uh, it all. Yeah, I remember when Logan right like kills a guy. He's like, ooh, upgrade, and literally switches out weapons. Like you mm -hmm. said, straight out of Red Dead Redemption. Yeah. So I mean, I think the fact that there's a video game company basically on the show right now makes a lot of sense. Uh, and I think with the futuristic look that Nolan and Joy have of like gaming is the future the gaming industry is enormous uh it is not something that is uh gonna go away in the way that like people are worried about the, the continued existence of movie theaters moving forward that the experience of playing video games it was baked into being a home entertainment situation so uh i'm i'm interested to see what their commentary on that is i'm, I'm not bored by the idea that they're going to dig deeper into video games joe I also love that they named it Olympiad Entertainment, which again, mm -hmm. I love things that are on the nose. Let the games begin. Right. I mean, yeah. 
And I, I think that that's another thing that I'm thinking about in terms of maybe some of like the, the generational stuff is like Dolores and the rest of the hosts springing from the Godhead of Robert Ford and Arnold at the top of Mount Olympus uh, and who are like the, the new gods and like the demigods. And is, is Christina going to be like the Hercules of this thing? Um, I think that there's a, there's a lot to, to play with here. Um, we will continue to get into all of this in our episode two recap, which is just around the corner. The episode's called Well Enough Alone, which we will not leave. Uh, we, <laughs> will not, we, will, uh, we will stay well enough alone. Mike and Joe and myself will be back for that recap. And then I'm going to have to take a brief disappearance from the podcast as I'm going to check out Mount Olympus personally. I'm going to go and pay it a visit. Uh, I'm going to go take a quick two weeks uh, to, to tour the Greek gods. Uh, and I will report back with my findings and see if anything comes back for one of these Westworld podcasts. So I'll be on the episode two recap. Then the pod's going to be in Mike and Joe's hands before I return to the show. Make sure that you're staying tuned with everything that we've got going on on post-show recaps, everything that Joe has going on at Joe Opinionated, everything Mike's got going on at a Mike Bloom type at post show recaps as well subscribe to the podcast leave a rating and review if you've got some time to do so that's so tremendously appreciated by all three of us and everybody else on the network mike what else do you got the boys the boys had its penultimate episode uh that will be uh the podcast will probably be coming out the day after this does i mean the big to do josh is that on friday july 1st we welcome a new month with the final two episodes of Stranger Things Season 4. And so oh my God. you and I have kept the podcast going. We have been doing a bi-weekly episode recaps, as well as we did a, a Volume 1 feedback show, as well as a Volume 2 predictions slash really fun game of D&D with DM Philly, trying to figure out, like, uh, essentially, like, we get our shit wrecked by Beckna, uh, just as, like, a fun time to play D&D. And we shall see if the characters will suffer the same fate of the schedule that's coming out there is that again episodes eight and nine which will probably range in like four hours or so uh will be out on friday josh and i will try to turn around an episode eight recap asap and then in two installments we are going to be talking about that megalith tower sized episode to finish off season four of stranger things and probably some other things after that but be sure to check that out. That is like, I think one of the big TV to do's uh, coming up this weekend. And Josh and I have you covered for the next little bit on that. Yes, for sure. Really exciting stuff over there. Joe, a delight. We're so happy to mm -hmm. have you on here. Uh, I hope that this was fun for you. It was, it was actually kind of healing. So I appreciate that. Good. And I want to say a lot of your followers very kindly after you gave me the shout outs, last couple of pods sent me nice, uh, you know, tweets and messages. So thank you very much. I, I very uplifted by the support of our nerd community all around the world. That's what we're here for, right? We're here right. to lift each yep. other up. If we're not going to do it, no one else is. Uh, so we have so much love for you, Joe. We're so happy that you're back here. Uh, and we've got a lot more work to do here as Westworld season four continues to unfurl next time out it is well enough alone we shall be here to remark upon it check out your podcast feeds right after the episode airs on hbo we will have that recap up for you here in the westworld podcast feed shouts to hbo for making that possible for us here on the podcast until next time everybody take care bye-bye bye Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. 
yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. $15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.